Okay, so we're continuing in our series on a heart after God. And uh, so far in parts one and two, we've uh, looked at uh, the the man, David, uh, King David, because the Lord says, I have found David to be a man after my own heart. And uh, we've looked at a couple of the uh, situations in his life, but we've also taken a second track. And that second track was was to look at the greater David, because at best, David is just a shadow and a type of the one who was to come, of the true king after God's own heart. And what we discovered is that we have in Jesus the best of of both. Uh, We have the man who is, the, the quintessential man who is after the heart of God, but we also have the God who is after the heart of of men. And we found that in Jesus. This morning, I want to take a slightly different uh, approach, and I want to look at someone else in Scripture who is like David, uh, who has been said to wholeheartedly follow the Lord. In fact, there are uh, at least six occasions in which the Scriptures say that this man wholeheartedly followed the Lord. It's as if the Holy Spirit wants us to focus uh, and to learn and to fix our, our thoughts and our, you know, uh, our mind upon this guy's character, this guy's life. If you want to know what it's like to have a heart after God, I think the Holy Spirit is saying, then consider my servant Caleb. And so we're going to talk about Caleb in just a few moments. Um, there's a song that I was thinking about. Uh, it's a secular song. It's a popular song. I know sometimes my grandkids, you know, have sung it before in the past and, uh, it's, a, it's got a catchy, you know, catchy melody, and music is cool, and, and uh, the, the lyrics, I think, I think the reason why it's probably so popular is because so many of us can relate to it at various times, uh, sometimes of the week or of the month or certainly of the year, uh, and, and it, goes, it goes like this, so you had a bad day. You're taking one down. You had a bad day, right? I, I know that my grandkids have sung that to us when we're doing something that's frustrating and, you know, it's, it's kind of like in your face, you had a bad day. <clears throat> but I, I want you to think about y- 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 every single one of us can relate to a song like that because, I mean, who hasn't had a bad day, you know? The washing machine breaks, the, the car doesn't start, the cesspool overflows, and that's, that whole happens before 8 o'clock in the morning, you know what I'm talking about? And, and like, the rest of the day is going to be like that. But, but, but that day, you know... Uh, the stuff that we've gone through is nothing compared to what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want you to think about this. On April 12, 1976, a day that will be listed as the day of infamy for a fellow by the name of Ronald Wayne. Now, you say, who, who the heck is Ronald Wayne? R- Ronald Wayne was, was one of the three founding creators of Apple Inc., of Apple Computers, uh, along with Steve Jobs and uh, along with another partner, they created Apple back in the 1970s. Now, now the, the, the thing, that w- which is why it was such a bad day for, for, for Ronald, was, was because on that day, April 12, 1976, he sold his 10% shares, his 10% claim on the company Apple for a whopping, listen, a whopping $800. But not to worry, not to worry, because he signed a piece of paper that gave up all future rights to any of the profits of Apple for an extra $1,200 for a total of $2,300. Now, you got to know that that Apple computers 
or Apple Inc. is the most valuable company in the entire world with, with a net value of, listen, $600 billion, with a B, billion dollars. His net worth today would be, listen, 10%, $60 billion, you know? I mean, I can't help but think every once in a while, maybe his wife just will look at him and say, Ronald, what were you thinking about? Or imagine his kids saying, Dad, what were you thinking about, you know? I mean, it has to be like the, the worst decision, worst business decision of anyone's life to, to not have vision or to not have confidence in the future of what had, had become the, the most valuable company in the entire world. I want to talk to you this morning about a bad day uh, for the lives of, of 10 men. Uh, it was a really bad day for them. In fact, th- their bad day spread to 1.2 million adults over the age of 20. And, and we're going to look at that in, in just a minute. But, but you know what? Their bad day was infinitely worse than even Harold Wayne's bad day because, well, well Mr. Wayne only lost money. Uh, what they were about to lose was their future, their inheritance, and, and even their very lives. And so we're going to look at a situation uh, that's found in the Word of God as fear and discouragement and uh, uh, just those lack of vision became such a, a consequence in the lives of these 10 men that spread upon all of the children of Israel. Here's the scene, right? Under the leadership of Moses... God brings them out of Egyptian bondage. After 400 years of Egyptian bondage, God brings them out with mighty signs and with wonders, 10 miracles demonstrating the power of God. He brings them out, and now they're on the verge of entering into the promised land. God's given to them the keys to the kingdom. All they had to do was to go in. God would be with them. God would miraculously provide for them. The Lord would go before them and fight for them. You know, and all they had to do was walk in. So, so this is what Moses is instructed to do by the Lord. He says, gather, t- gather 12 of the heads of the families, the, the princes of each of the tribes of Israel. And I want you to do this. I want you to send them into the land as a reconnaissance. That's funny, Dave. You used that word this morning with me at, at, in the hallway, right? There was a young lady who came in and was asking questions. And I said, Dave, what, what was with that? And he said, she just came to, to have a reconnaissance. Now, when's the last time you heard the word reconnaissance? Isn't that like kind of a little confirmation there, right? So, so we pick up the story in Numbers chapter 13, verse 18. So we have a lot of scriptures to read this morning, so follow along with me. This is what Moses said to the 12, to the 12 men. See what the land is like, whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees on it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land because it was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went out and they explored the land. Now I can just imagine, we're not given the details, but we're we could surmise that they would break up since they were spies, that they would go in a stealth kind of manner and they would report. They, they, would, they would write down or record everything that they saw, the, the kind of city, the kind of land, the kind of uh, 
uh, everything that, that, that they were able to give a reconnaissance of, right? So now they come back in verse 27. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey, and here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large, and we saw the descendants of Anak there. Anak are the giants that were there in the land. Okay, so far, everything is as God had promised. He had promised Abraham that he would give him the land, that the land would be a land flowing with milk and honey, would be a land that there would be copper in the hills and, and gold and silver in the, in the, it would be just rich and fertile. God warded that land. He had his eye on that land year after year after year, and God was going to give them the land. But here's their report. And they said, wait a minute, there's giants in the land. And, 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 and they're fortified cities. Okay, now look at verse 30 with me. Then Caleb, here's the man that we're studying this morning, silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. One translation says, we should go up at once and take possession of the land because we can do it. But the men who had gone with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we, so they spread among the Israelites a bad or an evil report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. And the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the giants. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. I want you to notice the last verse that I just read. All of the references to vision, all of the references to sight. We saw, we seemed, our eyes, we looked. Here's the problem. They're walking by sight instead of walking by faith. Should they, should they see the giants or should they believe the promise that God was with them? Should they, should they retreat for fear or should they advance because the mighty God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was leading them? The perception their perception became their reality, and, and their, their perception became exaggerated. They exaggerated the strength of their enemy. Two contrasting opinions, two contrasting visions. Both had visions. Caleb had a vision that we can accomplish this. We can do this. God is with us. They, they, they will literally, he, he says later on, they will become bread for, we'll eat them for lunch. But the people began to fear and spread an evil report. And that perception became their reality. I'm sure that you've heard of uh, Harry Houdini. Harry Houdini made his name uh, as a magician uh, by being able to get out of any kind of a, a locked device. He, he would get out of straight jackets. He'd be hanging upside down, and he'd manage to get out of a straight jacket or get out of various kinds of chains and locks and, 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 and even prison cells. He, he, he boasted that there was no prison cell that could hold him. And, and it was true. He, he would be locked in a prison cell, and a few minutes later, he would appear, you know, just free, you know? And uh, here's the thing. He accepted this challenge on, on this one occasion to show his skill. And when he went into the prison cell with just his street clothes on, the prison doors closed behind him, right? And uh, whenever 
Everybody walked out of the room, right? This is what he did. He took out of his belt, which he had concealed, this thin but very strong piece of wire. And he began to work the lock. And he began to work the lock. And this time it wasn't opening. He kept working the lock for almost two hours to the, to the point where he got totally exhausted until he finally gave up. Now, here's, here, here's the thing. The reason why he didn't succeed was because the lock was never closed. It, the door was never locked. The door was only locked in his mind. Perception became his reality. With the children of Israel, because they saw that they were giants in the land and we cannot do it, their perception became their reality. Instead of looking to God, they looked to their enemy and they magnified their enemy. The only place that that door was locked was in his mind. So perception is so important to becoming our reality. We can't attack. They're stronger than we are. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. And so are, and so are we. This negative vision, this negative perception was their downfall. With many of them, the Bible says God was not pleased. And, and, and the, this was like the 10th the time the Lord says that they had, that they had tempted me. Uh, these 10 times, God had, had, had said, this is, this is the straw now that breaks the proverbial camel's, camel's back. And the consequences were severe. The Bible tells us that that every single one who believed that report over the age of 20, 1.2 million people died there in the wilderness. They would wander around the wilderness for the next 40 years aimlessly when they just could have simply walked in. Houdini could have just simply pushed open the door, but he didn't because of that perception. They could have just simply walked into the land and God would have been with them and God would have routed out the enemy and dispossessed the nations. Now we pick up in the story in verse one of chapter 14. So follow along with me. That night, all of the people of the community raised their voices and they wept aloud. And all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this desert, if only we were dead. Why is the Lord bringing us into a land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. I mean, think about it. How absolutely insane is that conclusion? When there's a lack of vision and when there's a lack of confidence in, in the God who, who is leading us, it led to a spiral of just absolute insanity. It would be better for us to be dead. It would be better for us to go back to, it would be better for us to go back into slavery after 400 years of, of bondage and then having been delivered. I mean, it just it is irrational. Their hearts were still in bondage. A journalist was uh, in the backstage of one of those uh, Ringling Brothers circuses. He was doing a piece for the local newspaper. And he happened to notice that the, the huge elephants were, were, were kept in place, were, were tied with a thin rope to a stake that was in the ground. And, he, and really curious, he asked one of the trainees, he says, how is it that, that the elephants just kind of stay in, in, in their place with that thin rope? They could break that thing like, 
like it would be for us dental floss, you know, the, these massive animals, you know. And the trainer said this, he says, he says, these animals are born and raised in captivity. When they're young, they, they can't break free from that rope. And so, and so they, they, they come to the place of giving up. And, and even when they're fully adults, they just simply don't try. You know, they, they, they talk about how that elephants, you know, have this incredible memory that they never forget. Well, beloved, there are some things that we should forget, forgetting those things that are behind. One of the things that we need, beloved, is a renewed mind. We come into the kingdom of God, you know, and and God gives us a new birth. He gives us a new spirit and a new heart. But our minds have to be renewed by the spirit of God so that we we are forgetting the things that are old and the things that are past and becoming new. And I believe that that's what's was really missing in the lives of these people. They were still in bondage in their minds and in their hearts. These 10 leaders who grew up in captivity never had a transformation, a change of mind, not like Caleb and not like Joshua. So numbers, we pick up in the story in chapter 14, verse five. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. They fell on their faces. What was that about? They were interceding. They were praying, God, do not destroy this people in your, in your justified anger because of their unbelief and because of their dishonoring of you. Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephani, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes. I mean, th- this is a point of utter frustration of the unbelief of, of their brethren. And they said to the entire congregation, now, now this is Caleb speaking, the land we possessed through and we explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will give us the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the whole congregation, the whole assembly talked about stoning them. And the glory of the Lord appeared and and intervened in that moment. But but here is Caleb willing to stand alone against 1.2 million people who who were, were talking about taking his life. One of the things that comes out so clearly in this is, is how God-centered and how, and how God-focused this man was. His, his compass was completely and totally always set on God. God was in his thoughts. God was in his heart and God was in his mind. And the reason why he became that man who had wholeheartedly followed the Lord was because he set God to become the treasure of his heart. And where your treasure is, there shall your heart be also. You know, when you begin to do a study on uh, this man, Caleb. Uh, you take a Bible dictionary or concordance and, 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 and you look up his name. Uh, it, 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 there's kind of a controversy about his name. His name means dog. And it's not a very flattering name. You know, and, and, and there have been some that have tried to justify that, that name and have tried to, you know, say it was something else. But as far as I could tell, you know, his name is dog, you know. And you have to ask yourself, why would anybody name their child dog? 
you know? Then I was thinking about this old song that was uh, sung by Johnny Cash. Maybe you remember it, uh, A Boy Named Sue. Remember that song, A Boy Named Sue? Great song, you know? And, and the, reason why, the reason why this young boy who grew, who grew up and had to fight against kids who would make fun of him because his name was Sue was because his father knew that he wasn't going to be around and that he wanted to toughen him up, and the kid became as tough as an alligator, you know? I mean, I don't know if that's the story, but that, that, that's certainly a, a possibility. But I'll tell you what, with bulldogged determination, this guy stood his ground. He refused to back down, you know? I mean, throughout his life and, and throughout this period of, of time that we, we are looking at him, he never quits. He never backs down in spite of how difficult things are, in spite of the hardship of what he's about to face now for the next 45 years. And we're going to look at that in just a minute. But you know, I was reading a story about this guy uh, in Argentina. His name is Miguel Guzman. And he was a family man and, and he, he happened to pass away and he, he died about six years ago. And uh, to add to the family's grief, the, their German shepherd, the, the family's pet, ran away from home like a day or two after the uh, gentleman had passed away. And the family was searching for the dog, couldn't, couldn't find the dog. They, they, they scoured the city, couldn't find the dog. Then one Sunday afternoon, when the family made a trip to the cemetery, there was, there was Captain. He was laying on top of the grave of his master. How did, in the world did he, find, did he find that grave? I mean, nobody knows, but, but there he was. They tried to take him home. In fact, a couple of times they tried to take the dog home, and he, the dog would run away, and he would go right back to that grave. And, and now cemetery officials now feed the dog, and now they, they now care for that dog, Captain. And they say this about this faithful dog every day. He, he takes a little walk around the cemetery, but every day at 6 o'clock sharp, 6 p.m. sharp, he's right back there at the grave, and he's there all night long. It's amazing. It's animal, a dog. You know, Charles Spurgeon said this about Caleb. He said, never a dog followed his master as well as Caleb followed his God. See, maybe it's not so bad to be called a dog or to have your name as dog if you can wholeheartedly follow the Lord. But tragically, for those that refuse to follow the Lord and to go into their land of promise, they, they not only lost their inheritance, but they lost their lives. And over a period of 40 years, one by one, 1 1.2 million people perished in the wilderness. You know, the, the statistics are, and, and it's really staggering when you think about it, uh, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year, 365 days a year, year after year after year. For 1.2 million people, if, if in a 12-hour day, you give a 12-hour day for the allotment of, of funerals, eight, 85 people a day had to die in order for 1.2 million people to perish in the world. What a constant reminder of the consequences of disobeying God and of, and of the lack of vision or confidence in the God whom we serve. I want you to think about it. the consequences for us are, are not just losing more than stuff. They're eternal consequences that are involved with a lack of vision and a lack of confidence in God. So we fast forward 45 years. The 
period of time has ended. They've entered into the land under the leadership of Joshua. And for the last five years, they've been fighting to dispossess the inhabitants of the land according to God's purpose and according to God's plan, right? Five years has gone by. So we pick up then in Joshua chapter 14. And this is now the division of the land. And it came now for the tribe of Judah. It was their turn to have their division of land as, as the Lord instructed Moses. It says this. Now, the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about me and you. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to all that was in my heart. I love that. The report that Caleb brought back concerning the land was all that was in his heart. Let me ask you a question this morning. What is in your heart today? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And Caleb said, all that was in my heart, I brought him back that report. He says this, but my brethren, verse 8, who went with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. He's a man after God's heart. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive these 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old, 85 years old, and I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Oh, man. One of the reasons why he is saying this, even though Joshua knows these facts, is because there are young men who are standing around who weren't even around at the time that all this took place. Those that were born under the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire by night, those that were born there in the wilderness, and and they were hearing so that Listen, there was no appearance, not even the appearance of evil was being done here. Everything was open and above board. And what is he saying? Verse 12, he says, Now give me this hill country that the Lord has promised me in that day. You yourselves heard that then that the Anakites, which were the giants, were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb ever since because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, again, for the sixth time we're told wholeheartedly he had followed the Lord. I mean, you just got to love this guy's character. Here's a man whose faith made it impossible for him to do anything but follow hard after God. When we have faith in the one who cannot lie, we will trust in his promises, we will trust in his presence, and we'll trust in his power. And this sums up the, this life of this man of God. He followed the Lord wholeheartedly. I tell you what, if you do that, you will not be disappointed because God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. 
I love the fact that, that he gives his preservation, he gives the glory not to himself, not because he's been, you know, working out, not because of, of, of good luck or, or, or he caught some breaks, but he says, the, my preservation, God has kept me alive. Listen, when other people are dropping dead 85 a day all over the place, when the last five years, no doubt he came a step between him and death in the battles that he fought. But he gives God the glory. And he says, God has preserved me. God is the one who has kept me alive. You see, it's always not by might nor by power, but it's by the Spirit of God. Here is once again an example of somebody who could say, I followed my God because of the grace of God. It's God enabling grace. It's God empowering grace. It's God discriminating grace, separating us from that of unbelief and filling our heart. Even the very gift that we have of faith comes from God. And there's no, there's no boasting for us. But I, I love his testimony. He says, I'm 85 now and I'm just as strong as I was when I was 40. Yeah, I tell you what, I started getting excited when I was doing this. When I was studying, I started thinking about myself. I'm gonna be 65 next year. And I'm kind of feeling like I'm doing some power walking lately. I'm kind of feeling like, you know what, maybe I'll be better on the softball field this year than I was last year. Maybe my strength will increase. Maybe the scripture is true that they that hope in the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. Paul, I'm sorry, I forgot about that game yesterday, but you guys are lucky I wasn't there. I mean, I'm telling you, I feel strong today. It's the grace of God. I mean, imagine that. To, to be as strong at 85 as when you were, when you were 40. And, 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 and how, how cool is that? You know, this past week, they've been uh, running video clips of uh, the uh, uh, previous uh, uh, presidential debates because of the, the presidential debate that took place last week, and they were running this clip of Ronald Reagan. I don't know if you saw it, but uh, he, was, he was going for his re-election in the second term. And, and actually, Ronald Reagan it, uh, was the oldest sitting president that the country has ever had. And uh, the press was, 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 was kind of trying to make it an issue about, you know, he was in his 80s at, at the time. I don't remember exactly how old he was, but but, uh, you know, so the press was like playing up this issue that he's kind of getting too old to do his job. And, and uh, so it came up in, in one of the debates, and, and, and I love the line. I don't know if you heard it. He said this. He says, listen, I am not going to make age an issue in this campaign. I am not going to exploit the youth and immaturity or inexperience of my opponent. And at that moment, when he said that, even Walter Mondale broke out in laughter. And you know what? The... the it was over at that point. The race was over. He won. What am I saying to you this morning is this. It's, it's, you're never too old to do a great work for God. If God is for you, who can be against you? doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are if God be for you. And Caleb succeeded while others failed because the others were unwilling to risk and to take a chance. But Caleb said, we should go up at once. See, I believe that faith inspires courage. But doubt and unbelief projects fear and discouragement. Those 10 spies, they had vision, but it was the wrong kind of vision. 
May God give to us this morning the right kind of vision to, to be able to say, I'm not, I'm not going to look at the circumstances or the giants that are in my life. I'm going to look at him who is invisible. You know, it says that about Moses in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, that Moses endured seeing him who is invisible. How, how could you see him who is invisible? The eyes of faith are able God is able to open up the eyes of our understanding, the eyes of our heart, and to set our heart fully on God. When your heart is fully set on God, listen, you will not be disappointed. What I want you to take away, what I want you to know this morning is this, that Caleb said in his heart, I'm going to follow my heart, and my heart is fully set on God. And when your heart is fully set on God, there's nothing that you can't do if God be with you and God be for you, who can be against you? Listen, the stakes are too great. We're talking about eternal consequences here. Because listen, we not only have an effect upon us for our lives, but our children and our grandchildren. They can be inspired by the faith of our fathers and our grandfathers. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for all that you're doing here, oh God, Lord, in this house, through this series, oh God, Lord, of, of, of cultivating men and women who are after the heart of God. And I know that you're doing that. I know that you're creating that in us, this desire to say that you're the treasure of my heart. I'm going to make you my magnificent obsession. And when, God, you become the treasure of a heart, then where our treasure is, there shall our heart be also. And so this morning, Father, we, we, we set we set you, Jesus, the, the man after God's heart and the God who is after our hearts. We come in agreement and we say, Lord, he, 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 here I am. Take me, Lord God. Receive me today. If you're here this morning and you've never done that, you've never accepted Jesus Christ, I want to just encourage you. Just open your heart. Just open your, open your heart to God and say, God, here I am. Take me this morning. I believe in you. I believe that Jesus Christ died for me and that he rose again for my justification. And for those of you who are followers of the Lord, I just want to strengthen you this morning. I just want to encourage you to keep on following hard after God because those that have faith, they cannot help but follow hard after God. We have no other choice. But God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek us. Let's all stand up and worship the Lord before we leave this place and celebrate the victories that God's given to us.